This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to the inspirational, informational, and transparent Aviation Careers Podcast. Today we answer listener mail and discuss why you should not fly as a pilot, crew member, or passenger if you think you may have COVID-19. If you have questions, comments, or inspirational stories, please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. First, a couple of announcements before we get started. First, thanks to a listener, Paul, for paying it forward. By buying 10 scholarships, guys, and then we throw in two more. Remember, for every five that you purchase, we will add one more uh, through the Pay It Forward campaign. If you want one of those free scholarships, guys, use that coupon code, Pay It Forward, all one word. You may get a free scholarships guide through the generosity of others, just like Paul, for helping Pay It Forward. You could have all your flight training paid for or a portion of that. All ages, all groups of people, it's uh, something that we really put a lot of effort into. We're coming out with new and different categories, too. And we have a new category for adults. We have over $79 million in scholarships in the guide so far. It's really come forward. This episode is sponsored by PlainEnglishSim.com. It's the app-based aviation radio simulator. Use a coupon code PlainEnglishSim, all one word, to receive a free scholarships guide courtesy of PlainEnglishSim.com. Coupons are limited, so act quickly. But the Plain English Sim, I think, is a great idea, and it's really a wonderful tool. Helps people learn aviation English or aviation English, both VFR and IFR. Or if you're somebody that's uh, from another country... It really helps quite a bit to get used to some of that aviation English. And in reality, it's hard to learn that whole aviation jargon in general, even if English is your native language. So go check them out, plainenglishsim.com. Use the coupon code plainenglishsim, all one word, to receive a free scholarships guide. Anyway, on with the show. Our latest video, by the way, uh, out on YouTube, please subscribe. It's uh, We're doing a whole series and some other things besides the pilot interview course. The pilot interview course series is we're taking one question out of the interviews that I do through our career coaching. Like I said, I have over 500 different questions, so it's going to go on for years. And right, this one, the last one is, can you fly 300 knots in class Bravo airspace? And that's part of that pilot interview course. And I put it into a list in our YouTube channel, so if that's all you want to listen to or watch very short videos. I mean, we're talking anywhere from four to seven minutes. I try to keep them short. And what I'm doing is I'm trying to give you those questions as if you're being interviewed, more so than a question answer session like in a check ride. It's more geared towards an interview. So go check that out uh, on our YouTube channel. There's a link uh, right there in the show notes. So let's move on to the regular show here and our talking points. You know, I'm, I talked about this here, why you should not fly if you think you may have COVID-19. It's really important. As a matter of fact, uh, I currently am on leave uh, because of this. Uh, had a passenger that wound up finding out they had COVID during our flight, or actually uh, after we boarded them, but didn't actually take off. So there's a couple reasons that we don't want to fly if we have COVID, obviously, but also if we think we may have COVID or if we're sick. So a couple of items I want to go over, and this is really important. I think sometimes we don't take uh, certain things like this seriously. There is a pandemic out there right now. Uh, it's true of any sickness, but just remember this. 
it's not about you. It's about everybody else. You know, if you get on a plane and you think you might have it or you do have it, you you know what? I understand you want to get to your destination, et cetera, but the, think about everybody else that's on that aircraft. Think about not just your, your passengers, your fellow pilots, uh, et cetera. If you're in the airline environment, obviously I'm an airline pilot, and that's the reason I can't fly for two weeks now because I've been put into uh, self-isolation. There's a lot of different ramifications, especially from a public health perspective. Let's just talk first of all about if you're a passenger and the effects of flying with COVID-19 are, all right? First of all, number one, if it's found out, the flight's going to be canceled. Most times it's going to be canceled. If not canceled, it's going to be delayed quite a bit. And then, and just like what I just said, the crew now has to self-isolate for at least two weeks. That's usually the protocol in most airlines. And that means that all of a sudden you've taken all these people and now they're out of work. They're actually using up all their sick time. Like for me, I just burn through all my sick time just because of this. So there you go. That That's another reason. So there's a lot of ramifications. So again, don't think about yourself. Uh, another thing too is remember now that you've exposed somebody else to that, especially crew members, they may have families, children, uh, elderly parents, uh, other people that have some kind of diminished immunity, et cetera, back home. So now they may not be able to see their family due to the exposure. So think about that when you're, when you're thinking about getting on a plane. The other thing, too, like I talked about delayed, canceled flights, now it has to be taken out of service and has to actually be cleaned. And that area has to be clean where, where you were sitting or a passenger was sitting. Uh, and now we need to maybe fumigate the whole aircraft, et cetera. So there's a lot of things that go into us. You're driving up the cost, obviously, of uh, just looking at from a financial perspective of that flight. And that's really not helping things right now. So, again, that's part of that cost. Uh, there's administrative costs now because now all those people that were surrounding that person that came on board and found out they had COVID, now they all have to be notified. And then you also have to notify the crew, and there's a whole process. Now we have to bring managers in from the whoever was involved. Say it was gate agents, we have to get their managers involved. We have to get the flight attendant managers involved, the, the pilots, maybe the chief pilots off, etc. So there's all this that happens behind the, the scenes. The other thing, too, is you're not going to make it to your destination, possibly. You show up and you know you have COVID or you might have COVID. You may not make it to your destination. So uh, the other thing, too, is if you're a crew member, why you shouldn't fly, I think it's pretty obvious most of us wouldn't do this anyway. Uh, but it's all the same as above, right? All those different things I just talked about as to why you shouldn't fly and the ramifications we don't realize uh, if we do show up to work sick or have the disease or possibly have the disease is that, number one, you're obligated by law. You can't fly if you're sick, right? You have to show up and be fit for duty. And we sign every time for every flight that we are fit to fly. And in this case, you aren't fit to fly. Uh, possibly you're asymptomatic, etc. You're passing on the, the disease. And there is that argument, yes, you are fit to fly. Well, if you have the disease, you don't know what's going to happen. When, say you're on a five-day trip, maybe you start getting sick a couple of days later. So in my opinion, that you, you aren't fit to fly if you have COVID-19. You really shouldn't be in an airplane. So don't be selfish. Stay home if you're sick. 
make sure that you don't keep spreading this disease by doing that. Okay, so I am going to give, there's a pass in one case. Say that you know that you don't have it, you just decide to go out and get a test, okay? So I'm going to give some people the benefit of the doubt that this happens to. Uh, Maybe I'm being too kind or too generous. But say you go out and you do get a test just out of, you know, hey, might as well, everybody else is doing it, right? And then you find out you have COVID. Uh, There is normally most people go in to get tested, I think, if they feel they have symptoms or they may have been exposed. So for the most part, most people I don't think are actually going it because it's not a a really fun process uh, to go through and get tested. I got tested uh, and actually wound up having the flu, influenza type A. Uh, instead of COVID. So I got tested for for the influenza, got that, and uh, got over that sickness. But remember this, you shouldn't fly if you may have COVID-19, and definitely don't fly if you do have COVID-19. And I probably should have renamed this, why I can't believe I'm even discussing this uh, at this point <laughs> of a, in a podcast as to why we shouldn't be flying. If we may have COVID-19, do me a favor. If you're, you think you might have it, just wait till the tests come back. Uh, whether you're a flight instructor who's working through ratings, etc., helping people work through ratings, if you think you might have COVID nineteen, don't get in the don't get in the flight deck with someone else. You, you're in a really close proximity. Social distancing isn't even a thing because you're so close. You know, wearing your mask and all that—that's important. I'm not even going to talk about that because that's obvious. Got to you know wear a mask. Make sure uh, you know this is very much so transmitted uh, through the air. Uh, it can be transmitted on services, etc. So, uh, but the big thing is this: just period. If you, you think you might have it, take some time off. I know it's hard to do. I get it. You may have to use your, you know, some of your time off, etc. Most employers understand uh, that. Hey, if you've been exposed, you have a friend, family member, etc. That has it, and you might have it. Wait till those test results come back. So please, don't fly if you think. You may have COVID-19 and definitely don't fly if you know you have it because uh, it's truly being a little bit self, it's being very selfish, excuse me. And it's also endangering other people's lives. And there's all these ramifications, both from a, a financial perspective and also from the perspective of a public health risk and, and just spreading that disease. So please don't do that. Uh, hopefully... Uh, I will, you know, I'm going to, obviously I'm going to have a couple weeks off, so I'll be doing a lot more podcasting and videos and uh, hoping I don't get the actual uh, full-fledged, you know, results from this as far as getting sick, et cetera. I may have it. Who knows? I'll find out uh, in in short order in the next couple of weeks or so. Uh, so anyway, the reason for this, of course, was listener mail. I just wanted to state that. I think it was pretty obvious we shouldn't be doing this with the COVID-19. If you're coming to work, uh, if you're going to fly, uh, make sure you don't have symptoms. And also, if you're waiting for test results, please, you know, wait till they come back and then go fly. Because that's that is the worst thing is when you get on a flight in the middle of a flight, you tell people, "Hey, I've got COVID." Now there's a ginormous process that happens. Not a good thing. It also hurts us. It, by the way, and that was the other thing I didn't mention. It hurts us as an industry because here people are afraid to fly. You are making it worse because you're you're just justifying their reasons for not flying because they don't trust people that they won't get on a plane if they have covid so please don't do that it's a big financial burden on the on us on the industry etc uh, again barring the public health risks uh, so anyway on the listener mail uh, i think i made my point there 
So first thing, uh, mail comes in, and uh, and by the way, if you got listener mail, of course, the feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com or click on the website, there's a way to do that to find out uh, uh, how to actually contact us. So the first question, uh, listener mail comes in, says, hello, Carl, I'll be 30 soon, and I'm strongly considering flight school to attempt to zero-to-hero ATP path. I have a bachelor's degree in business and marketing, and I worked in a related field for five years after graduating, but realized it was completely unfulfilling, and I don't want to go back to that work environment. I've always loved travel, and I was fortunate to travel a fair amount as a kid. The desire to see more of the world led me to get certified to teach English and move abroad to work and travel. Along with my girlfriend, I moved to China, where I spent three years teaching and traveling through Asia. Since leaving China, we spent a few months in Australia, Bali, and now we're in Eastern Europe, all this funded by teaching English online rather than in person. I'm not enamored by my work. It doesn't pay a lot, but it's enough to live on, uh, on a cheap lifestyle, that is, and travel in certain places. It is not something I can do forever. I've always been fascinated by airplanes and flight, and I've been dwelling on what moves to make to take it to that next level in my life. I was inspired by a very random blog post that made me think I was not too old to become a pilot at this age. And by the way, we have a, a quite a few podcasts out there talk about people that are not you're not too old to fly, and there's a lot of great stories out there. So I really encourage you to go back and listen to those. Anyway, he continues. My ultimate question after this background information is this: What are the options, or what is the likelihood of being hired as a pilot by a foreign airline, either cargo or passenger? My girlfriend and I are very interested in continuing to live abroad travel, and the lifestyle we've become accustomed to. We're open to living nearly anywhere in the world, but would certainly have some general preferences and some no-go places. Are there different requirements in different parts of the world? Barring the effects of COVID, is there more demand in other parts of the world? Do national airlines prefer to hire pilots from their own country? Is it likely based on qualifications that fit that airline? You'll likely be hearing from me soon for some coaching, but I want to get my get thoughts in better order before reaching out. Hope all is well. Thank you for the podcast. Appreciate that email. Couple things here: flying overseas for a foreign airline. Uh, yeah, a lot of people do it. It's just like other people come here to the U.S. There's a U.S.-based uh, podcast. We obviously talk to many people all throughout the world and help out with different airlines, but. Uh, one of the things I'm assuming from this is you're in the U.S. and you want to go uh, to some overseas jobs. There's jobs out there. Many times they're contractual jobs. Some people that have gone overseas, they've done a couple things. You can do uh, get a residency for that uh, for, to be able to work in that country. Some countries make you become a citizen to actually work for the national airline. So those are kind of some of those things that you want to start working out. Uh, I know. And you have to look at your background, too. I don't know if uh, this applies to you, but like, for instance, for me, since, you know, my dad came over from another country, I can actually be part of the uh, European Union. And if I get finished getting my, you know, uh, citizenship there, I have gone through the process to fly in another country uh, and getting my citizenship. I didn't really need to do that, but it does make it a little bit easier. Uh, and yes, there is some preference in many countries as to having uh, local citizens fly for those airlines. With that said, there's lots of jobs out there. As a matter of fact, even in China, there's quite a few jobs, especially domestically right now. And that's one of those avenues you might want to look towards as, as far as doing it on a contractual basis. The only, uh, the only thing I have to say about that 
And I've been through this, like back in 9-11 when we started getting people jobs over in China, the majority of the jobs were pilot and command jobs, like you're the captain, and you had to have a thousand hours of PIC time, pilot and command time on that aircraft. We did work out a few deals where we could get some people working as first officers. We did in Europe. Uh, we did that with Flybee, et cetera. But in general, you're usually going to get hired to be a captain overseas because uh, of the fact that there is such a shortage of qualified pilots uh, in those positions. Uh, that's changed a little bit, but uh, there are still opportunities out there. There's some advantages of them hiring contractors, et cetera. So this, this, it comes and goes. It waxes and wanes. But uh, as far as another mention you made is a cargo and also the uh, passenger, you're basically the same cargo passenger. It's uh, all the same uh, requirements and flying, etc. Just a few different types of airports that you go. There are different places on the field that you go to to pick up the airplane, that type of thing. But the requirements as far as in general for flying are pretty much the same. Uh, but uh, there are different, and as far as demand throughout the world, that is a moving target. That really is. I mean, you talked to me in 2001, I could tell you uh, different places that had, you know, a lot of flying in 2008, uh, you know, like Royal Jordanian or Qatari or Emirates. And then you see some of those things kind of go uh, by a little bit you know, by the wayside. And then you see other people come up, uh, like in China and then China kind of wanes again because of this COVID and then it starts coming back. So that, that really, I hate to say it, but it depends as far as demand. It's all depends on when you finish all your ratings, et cetera. Uh, so a lot is obviously based on qualifications, but my advice to you though, is this, uh, start looking at the country where you want to finally settle, say, uh, for me, I started looking at that and said, hey, this is where I want to go. And I uh, started looking at some of the different uh, qualifications and I realized, oh, I can get my citizenship in the EU to go to the airline I was thinking about. Uh, that didn't happen, by the way. I know I'm talking about that, but I, I, I got a job here that I really liked uh, in the U.S. and it it gives me the opportunity to even travel overseas and to live overseas. Uh, so there's another thing I wanted to point out, too, is the fact that, uh, and to finish that thought, by the way, uh, just focus on one country, start looking at all the requirements, do as much research as you can, and start moving towards the possibility of getting residency or whatever you might need to work in those countries. It's, uh, it's a little more difficult sometimes in certain countries, just like it's difficult sometimes to come into the U.S. to do that. Um, but in general, though, think about this. There are people that live overseas and actually are able to fly in the U.S. And one of the things, I, if that's what you're thinking about, one of the things you should look at is those opportunities. Uh, for instance, uh, you know, my family's from Italy, so I have some friends that actually live in Italy or have a, another home in Italy and go back and forth. Uh, if you've listened to this podcast way back, I used to do like a become a snowbird. I lived up north and then down south at different parts of this of the year. It's kind of similar there. Some people will do like six months in Europe, six months in the U.S. They'll rent a place there. They'll decide, okay, I'm going to try a different country, et cetera, to live in by commuting back and forth. It uh, Yes, it, it gets uh, a little bit difficult at times, but once you figure out the how the, the routes are, et cetera, it's not too bad. The downside is this. If there's any strife, well, here's a great example. Actually, we're talking about COVID right now, uh, is the fact that 
the borders can shut down every so often. And that's when you have to make a decision. If you're living in one country and working in another, uh, what you want to do? Do you want to move to the country where you're working? That type of thing. So that's one of the things that I always suggest to people if they're thinking of going overseas is think about that. You might want to commute. Uh, that is the downside. You have a crisis like this and you'll get stuck. Uh, or you have to make a decision at that point. Uh, but yes, there is opportunities overseas. And I look forward to helping out with the coaching there and uh, and helping you move forward in your career and your life. Uh, as a matter of fact, speaking of coaching, one thing I want to say that's on a positive note, I'm doing my first interview prep uh, the day this comes out, actually. that uh, I First interview prep, let me think, since I think it was January or February. Because all the interviews have been, most all the interviews have been canceled. I mean, obviously, there are certain cargo operators, et cetera. But it's been a while, and I am so excited. And it's with a regional airline. Uh, some regionals are actually finishing up some of their interviews and putting in, you into a pool. Uh, let me explain that before I move on to the next question, what a pool is. Uh, I had that happen to me when I got hired with the airline I'm with now. I went into a hiring pool because there was a little bit of a downturn in their business, and they said, oh, wait a minute, we can't hire you right now. So it took me about 14 months to actually go to class from the date when I was hired till I actually went to class. And it was fine because it gave me time to you know schedule things and gave me time to pay off bills, et cetera. But one of the things that happens now is they're, they're starting to put people in this pool. For instance, uh, a good way to look at it is like some of these cadet programs. It's almost like a pool. In other words, you're in that pipeline. You get hired in the pool seniority order. They pick you up and say, okay, uh, you have a class date. The class date may not come for a couple of years, so you have to think about that. Uh, it could be months. It could be years. Like in my case, it was about Let's see, I think it was 14 months, and hopefully I'm doing the math right there, over a year. And that's really what might happen to you, and it could be years down the road. It gives them the opportunity to have a pipeline of, of potential candidates in the future because, obviously, uh, COVID will end someday, and the economy will come back, and the industry will come back. We're looking at you know a couple of years down the road and maybe two to five years, but still, I know that sounds like a long time, but you have to get all your ratings, et cetera. And these things happen. I mean, we've been through these, these gyrations before, so just remember this is an industry where any little hiccup in the economy – really does hurt your position as a pilot or any other crew member. And that's something you have to realize is that you, you have to maybe be a little more conservative with your money too. That's the downside, I think, to the job. I think we talked about that before, some of the negatives uh, about this and the challenges of the career is making sure that you're financially stable. You you have to take that upon yourself. Uh, it's not one of those industries where, uh, like for instance, some medical care. I mean, even in bad times, a lot of times medical care does well. You know, that's just one example. Uh, but you see in industries like this where sometimes the valve turns off like we talked about and the valve is turned off right now. So hopefully that helps. I uh, just want to go on that kind of a side note there. I've got two more questions, and both of these questions are similar but slightly different. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go over both of them. And uh, so this is pretty interesting. Uh, person, this is a message from Facebook. By the way, if you send me messages, we put them all into a database. Uh, my assistant Alicia takes them all, and we, and we kind of put them together. So no matter where you send me a message. We will get that if you ask a question. Uh, you may hear Alicia get back to you because sometimes I'm not the best at social media, I'll admit. Uh, other than I like to make the pictures and stuff, but other than that, I'm not not terrific there. I do uh, I do try as hard as I can uh, to talk to people, et cetera, but my life isn't on social media. It's uh, helping people with their careers. Uh, anyway, it says... Uh, uh, in the next question, I've been really enjoying the content that you've been posting. I've even subscribed to the Scholarships Guide, trying to find scholarships for someone who 
already has their ATP license. I think it'd be really informative if you could talk about checkride failures and how to overcome them during a podcast. If you could discuss checkride failures, especially on the 121-135 level, how to learn, move on, and better yourself for a major airline, that would be very informative. Thanks for all you do for the industry. Hey, thanks for that question. It's a really good one, and I'm glad you brought it up. We've talked about this in the past, but uh, taking a deep dive into checkride failures, uh, first of all, there is checkride failures that go all the way back in your history, and that's something that we uh, – it doesn't matter what it is. If it's the private, the instrument, the commercial, your ATP, a checkride failure is a checkride failure, and that's something that uh, gives us the opportunity no matter who we are. Obviously, you could take it two ways. You could take it as a big negative or you can take it as a positive and learn from that, and that's the most important thing, and that's what I'm looking for in an interview. When I'm talking to somebody and I ask you, hey – have you actually failed a check ride? The biggest thing I'm looking for is your reaction. I want to know, did you learn from that? I want to know if you have actually gleaned some information from that failure and you've been able to move forward. Remember, this is really a maturity issue and it's part of uh, the growing process is sometimes we fall down and we have to get it back up and start moving forward. You know, I always liken it to, if you ever seen those people on the, I, uh, I like to watch figure skating during like the Olympics and stuff. It's just absolutely amazing what they do. But what's really interesting is when someone falls down, they get right back up as, not, as if nothing happened. That's what I want you to do. I want you to be like that professional skater and get right back up and keep going. You know, forget about what just happened and keep moving forward. Uh, hopefully you will have learned from that. I know that uh, it, it can really be tough, though, at first. Uh, but on a 121, a 135 uh, level, as far as the failures are, are concerned, you can have those. And I think maybe that's how you're addressing this question is if you've had those failures within that environment. Uh, I think a lot of people think in general any failure during any time in your career is a career ender. That's not true at all. Uh, but one of the things that we need to do as pilots, and it has nothing to do with just check or I feel. Let, let's even go further. Let's go into just doing something improperly or wrong or messing up a maneuver, even during practice. Because remember, we're all learning all the time. That's the cool thing about the job is you're constantly stretching yourself. You're constantly getting better. Uh, you know, I hear it, especially from my own family. You know, it's like, oh, all you do is press a couple buttons, you go fly. It's like, gosh, you know, there's so much more to it. Uh, if that was true, there wouldn't be this big issue of the 90-day landing, being away from flying all this time. There's so much more that goes into it. It's not an easy job, but, uh, and it's uh, even more difficult to find one of those jobs that you really love in this industry, It's but you can do it. Uh, not, and, you know, some of the best things aren't easy, right? And this is one of them. And one of them is becoming a better pilot. It's not easy. And you constantly have to push yourself. Uh, say you didn't even have a failure, but you didn't do the maneuver well to your liking or to your standard. That also is an opportunity to grow. That's a point where you have to say to yourself, hey, you know, this is time I, I need to step back and say I need to review. Here's a good thing. Uh, the good thing about it is that the mechanisms are set in place where you will be able to step back, relearn, retool, and move forward again. There's very few airlines that are going to throw you out the door if you have a failure. Uh, most of the time, it's all about your attitude. I will say, now the caveat, I will say because of the fact that I was uh, for many years a, a union representative, 
one of the things we looked at when they came back, and if or if someone was on property and did fill a check ride, is their attitude. And that was the biggest thing. I love how you say that, how to move on and better yourself uh, for that major airline job. Yes, you can actually move forward from a failure as long as you have a great attitude. I always use that example of two people I had that one, both were coming back from furlough. One's just, they both failed the check ride. One said, hey, listen, I messed up. I should have studied harder. Uh, sorry about that. The other one, and that person actually was given the opportunity to come back to work. They did uh, terminate the person, but said, hey, in six months, come back, uh, you'll have your job. The other person said, hey, I just didn't feel like studying. And that conversation ended with, uh, you're fired and don't come back. And so there's a two different results right there. One was willing to learn from that mistake and get more training and then come come back, get their position back in six months. The other one was just showing the door and went out the door. So I think that's what you're talking about there. Make sure that if you do have a, a check ride failure, you do learn from that. And we all have some failure somewhere in our life. Nobody is perfect, that's for sure. And you should be able to learn from everything, from the small failures to the large ones. Hopefully that's answered your question. I appreciate that. And keep bringing in these wonderful questions. They're tough ones and they're great questions. Uh, next question comes in and says, Hello, Carl. I just wanted to start out by saying that I really enjoy listening to your podcast. And I've learned a lot since I started listening to your podcast over a year ago. My question relates to checkride failures. I was wondering if a stage check or an end-of-course check at a 141 school that has examining authority count as a checkride failure. In addition, do the airlines or other employers put a lot of weight on stage check failures in regard to you getting hired? I'm trying to find some clarity on this topic because I've gotten a lot of different answers from different people. Thanks again. So I'm trying to put that question in context. Uh, so I'm going to take it in two different ways, okay? So let's go back to you were wondering if, a, if the stage check or end-of-course exam from a 141 school with examining authority is a checkride failure. So from the FAA standpoint, if you have a question about that and you don't know if that's true, a great way to figure that out is go get your records. Go get your FAA records. I have a link. It's in the recommended reading, and I'll have a link in the show notes where you can actually get a history of your records, your FAA records. And if that shows up in your FAA records as a failure, okay? So that's one thing. So that's number one. There's the FA stuff. There's the FA side of things. Number two, is that a failure from the perspective of an employer who's interviewing you? So let's pretend I'm doing your interview prep and I ask you, have you ever had a, a checkride failure? And you say, no. And then I am like, well, have you ever not passed a stage check is usually my next question. So I'm going to keep going down and finding out, have you ever had any type of failure? So yeah, if you haven't didn't pass your your check ride, et cetera, to me, uh, that is a is a failure if it's for that rating. Um, but that's from the perspective again. I'm looking at the perspective of somebody who's interviewing you. Not that it's a horrible thing. I mean, I interview people all the time, and we all or many people have had check ride failures. I just again, I want to see what your reaction is. Have you learned from it? What is what is it that you're doing differently since that check ride? So again, don't don't let it get you down if you've had a stage check or a check ride failure because that is the next question I'm going to ask you. Uh, is and that answers the next question: uh, Do we put any weight on check ride failures in regard to getting hired? Well, and that depends. I mean, if you've had one or two, it's not a big deal. But and the FAs are looking at 
implementing and putting in the place a database for the Pilot Records Improvement Act where we can actually look at uh, your records because we've seen that in a recent incident where uh, somebody has lied on their application and didn't talk much about some of their failures at a previous airline. Uh, and it led actually to, uh, and there was a crash that was caused by that individual, and that may have been a contributing factor. Uh, so, yes, we that's one of the reasons we want to make sure that you're a safe pilot, et cetera. So, as far as looking back at your records, I'm going to say to you, hey, if you haven't failed a check ride, have you ever failed a stage check or have you ever had a challenge? You know, I'm going to keep digging. Uh, so make sure you have that ready for for that interview. But uh, going back to what I was saying, as far as the failures, if there is a consistency in the failures, then that may weigh into it. We had a uh, I don't want to give that away. We had a person we called them uh, two times so and so, right? In other words, every time that person went for a check ride, they had to do it twice. And even though they are in a one forty one program, uh, and you know whatever program it may be, if you you know if you fill out the IACRA uh, and you don't pass it, yes, there's an issue there. If you are concerned about whether it shows up in your FA record as a failure, then you just go get your FA records. That's all. It's that simple. Uh, but the Biggest thing, this is my advice though on this, and regardless of everything else, whether it shows up or not, don't get caught lying. I mean, if you did not pass your end of course, your your private pilot end of course check ride, uh, and that was going to be your license, you're getting your license that day. I would not lie about that in an interview. Uh, you tell them I didn't pass my my check ride. And I didn't pass my end of course. I didn't get my private. Because uh, there is different end of courses uh, where some do, some don't go to the FA. There's a lot people think they do and they really don't. That This is regardless. It doesn't matter. Do not lie in an application. Say to them, yes, uh, I passed everything. Say that, yeah, I had this issue. I didn't pass it because I didn't do my short field landing properly. And I had to redo that. And I learned that, you know, I really need to practice all these maneuvers before the check ride. And that was one of the things I wasn't practicing, et cetera. That's just an example. Uh, so I hope that's some clarity there. Uh, it and that and just remember this there is a reason why a lot of people don't understand this is because of the fact that it depends on your 141 and their certificate because i've seen this happen where uh, people said hey this is all reportable to the fa if you don't pass this this uh, stage or whatever and it really isn't or on the other side where they think it isn't reported and it is uh so Again, I, I can't tell you how important it is to look at your records before you actually apply to an airline. And don't lie, but make sure you have that question ready where it's at the end. It's like, hey, I am, uh, I'm learn, I've learned from this. I have, I'm not perfect, and I failed this check ride, and I failed the end of course, but this is what I learned from failing that end of course. I hope that helps. If you have questions, uh, feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. This is so much fun talking to you. I know it started off with not so much fun. I can't believe that I even had to mention that. But first thing is, you shouldn't fly. If you think you have COVID-19 uh, and also if you're sick, you shouldn't be flying anyway, especially during this pandemic. Take all those safety precautions. You know, Use a, a facial coverings. Wash your hands, etc. If you're waiting for test results and you think you might have COVID, don't go fly. Don't go fly in an airliner. Don't get in an airplane as as a flight instructor. I tell you what, I've been coaching a lot of people, many of them. Uh, and if, if you've been listening and you get some coaching, you're not alone if you've had to quarantine for 14 days. 
that's I'm doing it myself right now, and it's just better safe than sorry. Uh, if you've been exposed, you know you've been exposed. Like I know I've been exposed because of this incident. Uh, it's the safest route to go. Whether it develops into something, who knows? I hope not. But it's uh, it's also important that if you're a passenger, a crew member, a flight instructor, no matter who you are, if you have COVID-19, if you think you might have COVID-19, or if you're sick, please don't get in an airplane. Do it for everybody else. It's not just about you. Do it for as as a, a just somebody who's public safety conscious and also somebody who's not being selfish. That's really, really important. There's so many ramifications like we talked about, so please don't do that. Also, I hope these questions that I've answered have helped you, and please write us at feedback at aviationcareerspodcast.com. Remember, if you do have a checkride failure, if you have any challenges, it yes, it's a it's tough at first, but it's a way to grow, and that's what we should be doing. And as you move along in your career, there's going to be so many more times that you are going to have the opportunity to make a mistake, et cetera. It's going to happen, but the most important thing is you grow from that, you move forward, and you stay positive. That's for sure. But the biggest thing, if you're worried about something like that, if you're worried about if this shows up on your record, don't just sit there. Don't listen to this. I want you to take action. That's the most important thing, no matter what you do in your career, is always take action. The one thing I'd love you to do right now, once you finish listening to this, is maybe call somebody, ask somebody a question, get on the internet, look at the show notes, get click on some of those things that I talked about. But I want you to do something today, right now, to move forward in your career. Um, again, it doesn't have to be something where you make a, a big move. It could be something simple like writing down something that says, hey, remind me to go look at my records, my FA records. Go find out how to get them online. Maybe it's looking at a video about how to do that. No matter what it is, take one step today to move forward in your career. We'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying out there. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved. 